meditation, 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 depending on the quality of my mind. You know, there's good days and bad days. I mean, feel like the waterfall of thoughts. Every now and then, a nice calm. Can't think of anything. This is meditation in the city. The Shambhala New York podcast. Thank you for listening to the Meditation in the City podcast. My name is Francesca, and I'm your host. The title of this episode is Practicing Compassion in Times of War. As the war in Ukraine brings in dramatic scenes and stories of suffering and destruction, we may tend to feel helpless, or even worse, depressed, cynical, or angry. The compassion practice of Tonglin gives us the opportunity to direct our empathy and concern and encourages us to keep our hearts open and our minds stable. This episode will provide in-depth and detailed Tonglin instruction and a discussion and commentary on how our own compassion relates to the suffering caused by war. Today we are joined by Rachel Farrow. Rachel is a senior meditation teacher and practitioner within the Shambhala and Tibetan Buddhist traditions, who has taught and led meditation retreats, classes, and workshops in Europe, Latin America, South Africa, and throughout the United States. A personal student of Chogyam Trungpa Rinpoche, she has been training, practicing, and teaching since the early 1970s. She's also an accomplished and well-known singer-songwriter, a Grammy-nominated record producer, and president of a world music record label. Here's Rachel to take away the discussion. We could imagine that with all the suffering in the world that we could expand our view to encompass all war, all suffering, which are happening always, it seems. But lately, um, the situation in, in Ukraine has become something extremely compelling for all of us. And um, I think that it's also because we live in this new modern world where everything can be seen to some extent rather than just happening off somewhere in a corner hearing about it. So we see these images on TV, we read about it in the paper, and for us we actually have the opportunity to speak to people who are actually in Ukraine. And, you know, we're always thinking about compassion, we're always thinking about the benefit of beings, but something about this has touched something deeper than that where it's it's more experiential, it's not so theoretical, we're feeling it. For me personally, it's um it's somewhat poignant. My father was born there in Ukraine. And but you know many many Jewish people were born in Ukraine and I think half of New York City could claim to have relatives born in Ukraine. So uh in some ways it's not so unique. Um my father left there when he was about 12 and he, my dad identified as Russian. He uh he was born a long time ago when it was still Tsarist Russia in 1911. But he left when he was about 12 and um he, he, you know, he didn't really 
identified Ukrainian per se. He identified as Russian. He spoke Russian and he drank vodka and recited Pushkin. He was a Russian guy. But he um, definitely knew that land. That's the land. So we're going to talk a little bit about how we can practice compassion during this time. I've heard people, especially even people in our Shambhala groups in the Ukraine, say things like that they're beginning to doubt in the basic goodness of people. Or saying, yes, I try to keep my mind stable and be um, open, and yet I'm so angry. Uh, kill them now, and then I'll be compassionate. I've heard that too. <laughs> Hatred for the Russian soldiers. But I think we know as Buddhists and as practitioners that our compassion isn't limited to one group of people or one situation, that it's something that expands everywhere. And so we practice Tanglen. Now Tanglen is a visualization practice. And I want to say before we begin at all that it can be somewhat stressful trying to do it right. And I, I just want to give you a tip here that you'll never do it right. There's no such thing as doing visualization practice perfectly. So just forget about that. What we do when we do these practices is within the practice we'll have glimpses and sometimes those glimpses will expand so we'll have a time with it but we're not going to ever do it perfectly and so there's no such thing and don't even think that if your mind is drifting or if you're not feeling it that you're that you're doing something wrong we simply practice it and sometimes we have very intense glimpses and sometimes we're just doing it we also think about why are we doing this? Are we doing this for other people or are we doing this for ourselves? Um, we start with ourselves. We all have a tendency to be very hard on ourselves. So we always start with a sense of kindness, gentleness, and love even for ourselves. That's where it begins. We wonder, how much good are we doing when we're doing Tonglen? Do they feel it? We don't know. <laughs> no. uh, I believe that everything is interdependent. Everything is connected. I believe that thoughts and energy are real. So even if it may seem super subtle, uh, I believe that there's that everything makes a difference. And sending out kindness and love and empathy, it may not seem like it's going directly to the people that we're addressing or the vast pool of suffering that exists in the planet. But I think that for us, it, I think that it does make a difference. And most of all, I think for us and how we relate to suffering, it makes a huge difference. When we see suffering, whether we're seeing an animal or a child or we're reading about something that we see in the paper, we have a tendency to contract. It's just too much. It hurts. 
we have a tendency to go inward and just say, no, 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 I can't. I can't see it. I, I, I don't want to. It's too much for me. But remember, when you do that, it's about you. So that's how I feel. This is making me feel this way, and I can't deal with it. It's terrible. Because we're still thinking about ourselves. But if we open up our hearts and we expand, we're not thinking about ourselves anymore. We're thinking about what's out there. When we're doing Tonglen, for example, for a person who may be sick, someone who's in pain, I don't know if you can hear my cat, but my cat is singing along. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, when we do Tonglen for someone else and open up our hearts, um, we're expanding, we're opening up, and we're forgetting ourselves and our own preoccupation with how painful it is to see something, but we're actually thinking about our outside of ourselves. That, um, that suffering we can send love to, we can send good energy to, we can send peace to, we can send light to, we can send healing. All without a goal all without the idea that we're going to actually accomplish anything. We just do it. So I'm going to explain a little bit about the practice and then we'll actually embark upon doing this practice. Um, the title of this evening is Practicing Compassion in Times of War. In some sense, we're all feeling this war. And I think that we're particularly preoccupied with it. But we should remember there are other wars too. So we'll think about this and also our compassion can extend to all beings involved in this war. The young boys that Russia is sending there. Putin himself, his, his staff and generals all of whom deserve compassion. We don't limit our compassion. So I'll give it, I'm gonna start with um, a guided Tonglen meditation. It's gonna be quite detailed and in depth. It's not gonna be just a little bit. It's gonna actually be, um, come along with me for it. I hope my cat does too, because he's crying. <laughs> and, uh, um, and then we'll actually just do it. Okay, so. Okay, now we're going to take some time to just feel our heart, experience our hearts. Just how you feel when your heart is open and loving and free. You might think about, if you're a parent, how you feel when you see your child, how it makes you feel. When you see a baby. Just how your heart opens up and experiences tremendous warmth. It could also be with your pet, a dog or a cat. Could be with a friend, could be with your own parents, your mother, your father, your grandparents. Anything that makes your heart feel open and loving, 
caring and sweet, that sweet feeling of love that you feel. That feeling is almost nostalgic, but it's in the present moment. And it's, it's a sense of caring, empathy, and yet it's without heaviness. It's just brings a smile to your face when you feel it. And your heart has infinite capacity to experience this with no limit at all. You can experience this when you hear some music. You experience this when you walk into a beautiful place or you see a beautiful sunrise. Anything that uplifts you and opens up your heart and makes you have that feeling of love, just love and light. Then there's the other side of things. There's the heaviness, the darkness, this kind of terrible garbage feeling that you feel like maybe when you're watching CNN and you see those Russian tanks, or you see something exploding from the sky. All of those dark, negative, scary, bad feelings. Feelings of suffering, people starving and not having food. And particularly in this case, the kind of dark, heavy fear that exists with war. Just imagine that as dark. So now, doing the practice, we can actually do it in terms of light and dark at first, where we bring in the darkness into our hearts. We bring it in, we breathe it in, we imagine the dark, heavy, ugly, fearful suffering. And then we breathe out light and love to that feeling that we talked about with how it feels when you feel love. So just for a minute, we breathe in dark and we breathe out light. It's that literal. We breathe in dark, we breathe out light. But not just cool light, warm light filled with love. Breathing in the fear, the suffering that exists, taking it into your heart, darkness, transforming it outwards into light. And try to keep a balance so that you're not overwhelmed by the suffering and the light, I mean the suffering and the darkness and the fear, and at the same time you're not completely taken away with the joy and the beauty of the light. Keep an even balance and you keep that sense that you are able to infinitely accommodate this suffering because you have infinite love to offer. You might start with a particular situation, like the images of the war, or thinking of a person that you have seen who is suffering. It doesn't have to be confined to the war. It could be something personal also. Conflict and then peace. 
and we expand our compassion to all beings who are suffering. And in this case, that includes the soldiers on both sides. Compassion for those who are committing horrific acts, sending them love and an alternative. can even send compassion to Putin for how a person could get to that point of craziness that they would inflict so much harm. And then eventually we expand to the whole world, every being on this planet. Take your time. Now, taking in with your breath the dark, cold, fearful, ugly, suffering, darkness, sending out from your heart, taking it into your heart, and sending out warm, light, peaceful, transparent, loving energy. And then one more time, taking the suffering back into your heart, which has infinite capacity to accommodate it. At this point, we can open it up to discussion. Um, well, first, I'll say thank you very much. Um, so I've been practicing a couple years and I've been through level five with Shambhala and, you know, I do my best with authentic intent. Um, sometimes I feel frustrated, like, you know, like this is doing nothing. And I, um, but I like your point because your po the second point you made kind of about um, opening our hearts that that had meaning to me beyond just me and my practice you know um <laughs> you know if i'm wanting to transmit my positive thoughts to you know someone in a subway in ukraine i try <laughs> so i don't really That's have super tonglen right <laughs> Well, I admit, I um, I aspire to send not, not narrow-minded compassion to Putin, but a moment, a pause of sanity, a moment, a pause, a gap of, you know. I mean, yeah. you know, so, a lot of this is like. You know, people for centuries are, they pray, I'll pray for you, I'll pray for this, I'll pray for that. And they don't know if their prayers are answered or not. 
you know, they pray. And you might consider this somewhat similar, except that um, we're working with mind when we do this. We're working with our own mind. We're cultivating our love. We're cultivating our hearts and compassion. And that's really the core of this particular practice is, is dissolving our own ego, our own selfish uh, desire to not suffer. Um, anybody else? Um, yeah, I, I just had a question about, um, I was wearing a hat today that had a, a yin yang logo on it. And um, I was curious if like when we're breathing in the darkness and breathing out the light, is there a sense of like, you know, when you're breathing into the darkness, you're not poisoning yourself. You're bringing yeah, in something that has kind of a, you know, a luminous emptiness when you're breathing out, you know, it's not just, you know, I forgive Putin. There's like a sharpness to the, to the light. That's a very important point, And that's something that comes up a lot with Tang Lin and that a lot of people, that's one of the reasons, first of all, while I'm encouraging people to, to remember to balance the light and the dark. That's first of all, because when you start doing Tonglen and you start thinking about all the suffering in the world, that can just become so overwhelming and so awful. And um, so that's, none of this is solid. You're not poisoning yourself, <laughs> you know. It's, um, first of all, in the visualization itself, you're bringing it in and you're transmuting it in your heart. You're transforming it. You're bringing it in and you're transforming it through the love, the natural goodness, primordial goodness that you have. Um, so you're not actually retaining any of the um, darkness. The light and the dark, in this case that you're visualizing, it, it could be more than just light and dark. It could be all the senses. It could be bad smells to beautiful smells or cold to warmth. You know, but it's it's important to remember that compassion itself is based on the idea of emptiness. That the reason people suffer is because they feel that things are so solid and they have to hold on to them rather than letting go, constantly letting go. So in some ways we're constantly letting go when we do tongue. Just as like when we do practice with the out-breath, every time we breathe out, we're letting go again, letting go, dissolving. So we're dissolving that uh, poison. And um, in, that poison in itself is just as empty as anything else. But people are suffering anyway. So. Any other questions or comments? Um, I just had a comment that I learned Tonglen in the late 90s, and um, one thing that was brought up was, what if you can't come up with that feeling of compassion for the other person, say Putin or our former president? Um, <laughs> uh, if it's just like drudging it up just feels inauthentic. And uh, in that case, I was instructed to have compassion for that part of myself that cannot drudge it up for that person. And in doing that, it creates that, that spaciousness or 
openness and um yeah and also the other thing that i learned when i did this um and it's nice to be in a in a community doing it again because i've just been practicing on my own for for years on and off but on a lot lately um is the uh that feeling of bringing in the heaviness darkness um i learned that we we have the capacity to uh what is it transmute or whatever the word is that that would um transform through our compassion it that actually because we have such a vast enormous infinite well of compassion within our being then it's almost like an the act of taking it in is an automatic way of transforming it doesn't just stay stagnant in our being so yeah you know a lot of um new agey or spiritual or human potential movement paths will do do it the opposite way yeah right, right? and that's kind of common breathe out all the negativity and breathe in all the good stuff breathe out them so in the beginning doing this practice might even seem counterintuitive you know because the other way is the feels a lot better you're feeling good but it's it's about you this is not about you exactly, exactly. <laughs> you no know? although it is about you because you're doing the practice and your compassion includes oneself and that was a very good point you made suzanne about if you can't feel compassion for somebody somebody it's okay and as i said before there's no perfection here we just do it we do our best with it we don't try to do it perfectly because in these kind of practices you know you don't do it perfectly you just have those glimpses just to kind of add to what suzanne was saying is that um you know doing it in the past it was sort of like a um like it was abstract in a way but by doing it with the group and having our ukrainian friends and um uh, Shambhalians uh, there and really connecting uh, with them and learning, you know, getting to know them uh, on almost a daily basis, um, it becomes uh, even more, I find, more powerful because there that interconnectedness. And I live in a in Atlantic Canada in a city that's about, I don't know, 100,000, 120,000 people. And you know, when I listen to the news and I'm hearing about these cities in Ukraine that similar size, or when I'm driving in the city, I'm seeing kids and I'm seeing, you know, seniors walking or, and I'm thinking it could be here, you know, it could be here. We're just, we got the luck of a draw that it isn't here, but we're, it's so, you know, we're all the same. And, and so it's, uh, it's it's such a at the beginning I found it very difficult because all I could think about was that uh, but as uh, coming to Bobby's question as I did it and I would be able to more let it go still you know very cognizant of this is happening in the world but not sort of uh, I was even having like uh, like uh, stress on my uh, in my body 
on a daily basis in the beginning, you know. So I think it's it can be very powerful. And I think it's very important to say, you know, to remind ourselves that it, take it in, but you let it go also, you know. Yeah. So those are my my comments. So thank you also for doing this tonight. It's nice to to practice with others and but to also get the uh, you know hearing the the instructions again it's it's good, you know, it's helpful. Thank you. For me too, for me too. Um something comes to mind that was uh the other day I guess most of you know we're doing these 11 a.m. Tonglen Zoom calls for Ukraine, and it's really become a community. Uh, it's beautiful. But something comes to mind where the other day, uh, Oleg, who's in Odessa, read a poem. He read a letter, uh, I think it was a letter or a poem that was written by this little boy, this nine-year-old boy. And it was so painful because he was his mother had been killed. And he was addressing her in heaven. And he was um, saying he's going to be a good boy. And he would always remember her. And he knows she's there watching him. And it was so painful to think about and hear this little boy. It just brought tears to your eyes. It was so difficult. And it's so it's almost unbearable, actually. And um, the this is what brings, this is where Tonglen comes in. Because when you're thinking about the little boy, and it's so poignant and so sad, his mother was killed. And he's missing her and addressing her. You could either just feel the pain and go, oh, God, I can't deal with this. This is just too painful. I don't, I don't. Switch the channel. Put on the Kardashians. I can't watch this. You know, I can't watch this anymore. Or you could take it out of your own self and what you're feeling and just send love to the little boy. And just open up your heart and stop worrying about how it's making you feel. And instead, just send love. Think of that little boy and send him love. Um... And this is, to me, the essence of Tonglen in some ways. It's, it's letting go of your ego, letting go of your own uh, agenda and just being there for compassion. You know, it's, um, it, you know, and as I said, there's no perfection in this practice. It reminds me of that, of the saying of, I think it was the Buddha, or one of the great bodhisattvas who said, uh, Suffering is endless. I vow to end it. Sentient beings are numberless. I vow to save them all. So, anyone else? Yeah, well, thank you um, for this. I appreciate uh, the instruction. And um, yeah, um, I'm just thinking about, well, I also like the comment about comparing it with praying because actually I also have a Christian practice and tomorrow I have a gathering to pray for Ukraine. Um, and I think they are really similar because it's, um, well, we can't be attached to outcome, right? And that's, you know, 
it's a way of transforming, I guess, our own um, our own pain and being with it, our own pain for the suffering that we're seeing in the world. And like you say, instead of sort of running away from it, it's a way of processing it or um, being with it. And, and um, yeah, through the Tonglen practice or through prayer, but we. Um, we feel so helpless to do anything about it, but uh, when we do the practice or or we pray, that you know, it's um, yeah, I guess transformative for us. I mean, I would like to think that it does somehow energetically <laughs> change things, but my rational mind doesn't think that's very possible. But it does change ourselves, right, inside ourselves, and. It kind of transform us so we can continue to be compassionate beings instead of you know turning away from yeah i also think that um actions do matter i mean we have our practice we have our our meditation practice that helps us to stabilize our minds and I think that it's very important that they go hand in hand with Tonglen. If you just do Tonglen, it can get a little crazy because it gets too intense. It's very important to accompany it with Shamatha Vipassana, with regular practice of just training the mind, stabilizing the mind, relaxing. Um, so I wouldn't suggest Tonglen without doing meditation practice along with it. Um, I also want to say that, you know, perhaps energetically it does make a difference subtly. I don't know. <laughs> but I do know that there are actions that also can be taken. Good works, you might say, from the Christian path. But there are things we're, we're doing fundraisers now. Um, there's links to those for Ukraine. And we have a benefit concert coming up on Saturday. So... Perhaps as our hearts open up and we develop compassion, we are also impelled to take certain actions, which are, you know, like giving up that $50 or $20 that we might use to out to dinner. We might find that we're giving it to that fund. <laughs> Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, we invite you to leave us a rating and review, subscribe, and share this episode with your friends. Shambhala NYC also offers a variety of meditation courses for meditators of all levels. Check out our upcoming programs at shambhalanyc.org. Thanks again, and we'll see you next week.